welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is vincent gethings from tricity equity group llc welcome vincent thank you for having me pretty excited to be here yeah thanks for being on the show a little bit about vincent vincent has over seven years of multi-family investing experience he currently owns and operates 20 units in his personal portfolio and additional 52 units in jv and 48 units as a gp he specializes in market research due diligence strategic planning project oversight and execution he recently held the position of resource advisor for the u.s air force where he drafted and managed the operation funds and projects for a 1.4 billion enterprise with that vincent would you like to add anything to your background nope that's all sums it up pretty well thank you and how did you get starting to real estate and multifamily so i started in 2000 and i think 12 or 13 i did a live-in flip so you buy a house you you fix it up while you live there and sell it after a few years and take advantage of the uh the no capital gains taxes on that so we, we did that and then i rolled that capital into a few small multifamily deals um because that's all i knew at the time was uh, kind of bigger pockets um duplexes tries and fourplexes and so right a bunch of those books, went into all the forums, uh, got educated from small multifamily, did that for a few years, uh, and then really opened my eyes up to uh, the larger multifamily. So we started, uh, like I said, did the had about 20 units, uh, all duplexes and fourplexes, that it took me about two years to get to accumulate those. And then once I got into the, the larger multifamily crowd, I made the jump from, my, you know, I went from a four unit to a 52 unit on my very next deal with the JV uh, when, once I got into multifamily and that, you know, followed up quick with another 48 unit apartment complex. And then uh, now we have a, another couple deals in the pipeline right now under contract. So it, it acceleration is pretty quickly once you make the jump. Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. And you worked in a US Air Force and how that experience helping you in multifamily journey? Yeah, so uh, my experience in military, a lot of the uh, skills that are transferable is managing people, building teams, I think is probably the biggest uh, value I bring to the table is being able to spot uh, people's strengths, spot their weaknesses, find ways to motivate and incentivize people to to drive toward your mission and, and or the group's mission and, and vision is, is a big one. And keeping people uh, motivated and accountable is also another big one that those transferable skills that I learned from the military. So uh, a lot of it is just building teams and and operating and managing teams uh, is probably the biggest thing that I've learned. Uh, and also my primary job being a resource advisor, aircraft maintainer, ha- uh, definitely a lot of focus on attention to detail and being very meticulous in, in the actions we do. So when it comes to due diligence, uh, that has helped out tremendously. Awesome. And you have experience as a single operator and in JVs and apartment syndication. Can you share us like both pros and cons uh, of, with this? Yeah, so I like JVs more. I actually prefer JVs. It's a lot simpler, but it could be limiting depending on the you know, your resources of capital. So if you have you know a couple big backers in your proximity in your circle, then I would stay in the JV realm probably as long as possible. If you have a couple people with um, some deep pockets that are looking to deploy capital and you have good, strong relationships with them because JVs are infinitely sim- more simple than a syndication. 
so many less moving parts to set it up, to operate it, to manage it. So the, like the 52 unit we, we did was a, was a simple JV. We brought four partners in. Everyone put up equal uh, equity. We split everything 25%. And that property is absolutely crushing it. Put a solid team boots on the ground in place. And they, they're absolutely crushing it in that market. So that is the, yeah, J- JVs are, are the way to go. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have uh, those people with um, those very deep pockets that continue to do that. So they may be able to do one or two, uh, maybe three JVs, but then, uh, you know, cash capital runs out. So you need to start bringing on investors and that's where kind of syndication comes in. So I, a lot of people, when I, when I talk to them, going to network events and conferences, they, they kind of think of real estate investing, um, kind of like a pyramid where you have like partnership, you know, buy yourself at the bottom, then partnerships, then JVs, and then like syndication at, at like the top of the, the period as pyramid as like a, the pinnacle of investing strategies. Um, and I think of it a lot differently. I think of it as just a tool in a toolbox. So each deal is going to have its own problems to solve and each deal is unique and there's a different strategy and a different tool to deploy in order to best suits that deal and to close that deal. And sometimes doing a syndication is not always the right tool for the job. If I have the option when I'm looking at a deal, if I have the option to do a JV and it's feasible and it hits all of our KPIs and all of our metrics, I'm going to go for the JV 100% of the time just because again, there's, it's so much simpler, so many moving uh, less moving parts than the syndication route. So uh, that's the biggest thing for me going from JV to syndication. They're both awesome. I, I love doing them both, uh, but I prefer JV if I can, because it is a lot simpler. Thanks for sharing that. So, and what markets you are focusing and what is the reason? So we have a few markets. I have a few units in about 70 units in Michigan, Tri-City area in Michigan. I'm not so much focusing there anymore. That's just where I started. When I started my real estate investing journey was in Tri-City area in Michigan because I had a competitive advantage in that market. But as you grow, as you learn more and learn how to analyze markets more and uh, things like that, I I realized that that may be not a market I want to be in long-term just from the underlying market fundamentals. So we transition now. We're in in Texas is our primary market, El Paso uh, specifically. Um, So we're, we're looking in that market. And then now we're branching out to a couple other markets, you know, one in the Midwest and one in the Southeast. Okay, cool. So what is your acquisition strategy? Our acquisition strategy, we don't do anything, anything crazy. We do the, we do value add. We try to find the, you know, C-class mom and pop operators and B-class neighborhoods and look for things like, you know, deferred maintenance. Biggest one for me, since I am a, a, you know, resource advisor, I did a lot of time as a resource advisor. I'm pretty good at creating budgets and CapEx budgets and operations budgets. And I know what it takes to run a property. So one of the biggest things I look for is properties that have bloated OPEX budgets, operating expenses. expense budgets. So I do a lot of research into what does it take, say, for example, a B-class property, 900 square feet, two bedroom, one bath, your typical B-class or C-class apartment unit, figure out what it costs to run that per year. And I do a lot of research to figure out that number. And it could be anywhere from like 4,000 or 3,500 or $4,200 a year. Every market's different. And then I look for properties when when brokers are sending them or if we're looking for off-market that has, you know, their T12 is showing they're running at like a $6,000 OPEX budget. Per, per door. Uh, when I see that, I, I capitalize on that immediately because I know that I can run properties uh, fairly efficiently. You know, given it about 12, 14, 15, uh, 16 months, I can have that, that property running um, pretty smoothly and create uh, a ton of money for our investors by increasing the NOI by just getting the, the budgets under control. Okay, great. And what kind of business plan your group will implement on these properties? What kind of business plan do we recommend? Yes, you're implementing for your properties. Yeah, we do you know, value add reposition 
plan, a business plan. It depends on how the the property, the current property is, uh, the condition of it and everything like that. But normally we just do, you know, value add if it's a C or B class, just bring rents up to market, add, increase the uh, the fees. Like if there's pet fee, they're not charging pet fees, not try, charging move-in fees, not charging rubs. I get about 10, 15, maybe, maybe 20% fee income is one of them, decreasing expenses. And then if it's, uh, so that's like the one strategy, the value add strategy. And the other one is the, if it's a full reposition. So if it's fairly distressed property, then we'll go in and do a full, lots of CapEx and do a full reposition of that property. Okay, great. And uh, would you share any kind of challenges you faced in acquiring multifamily properties so far? Finding them is a big one. Um, in the last six months, I've seen some markets where, you know, I have a few colleagues that are just getting flooded with deals. And then a lot of our markets are, are not. A lot of people are just kind of holding off um, from everything that's going on between an election year and the, the COVID uh, fallout of what's happening with the COVID stimuluses and things like that. So a lot of markets, people seem to be holding their deals, you know, kind of close to the chest until whatever happens uh, this fall. So that has been one of the biggest challenges. And I'm not saying we're not getting any deal flow, but it seems a lot less than normal. So that has been the, the biggest challenge right now. But we're, you know, keep chugging through, adapt and be flexible and yeah, adapt our, our normal strategy. And, you know, we, we get deals picking up. Like I said, we just have, we have a few under contract right now. So it's not dried up. It's just not as the pipeline's not as full as it normally is. Right, right. And how do you see COVID impact in multifamily? Oh, man. Yeah. So that is a huge question. So one thing that I never really paid attention to prior to COVID was local policy, local laws, like, you know, who the mayor is in a town, who the governor is of the state, things like that. I never really paid attention to. The furthest I got into like politics when doing due diligence was if the state is landlord friendly or tenant friendly. And that was pretty much the extent of it of my my market research uh, as in terms of the, the politics of the, the state and where they, they stand. Since COVID, um, I'm way more attuned to uh, investigating what the that that city mayor, their stance and their views on certain things are. Also the governor, what their stance and views are and what kind of actions they take and uh, things like that. Because I couldn't tell you that my Michigan portfolio and my Texas portfolio couldn't be further you know from each other as far as their performance over the last uh, two quarters. Michigan has been definitely an uphill battle and not so much the driven by the, the market itself. Um, it was primarily driven by the the governor's decisions and how she handled uh, COVID in that state drove a lot of our our problems that we had there. And it, we're still we're still doing good. You know, we, our collections are are still uh, strong, uh, but they're drastically different than the performance we're getting in Texas, which has been phenomenal all the way through COVID. We're still leasing up units at market rate. You know, before the paint even dries on our unit turns, though they're we have them pre-leased up. So Texas continues to be very strong, but yeah, the the Michigan one is it's, uh, definitely uh, been challenging trying to navigate the different policies and laws that, that are getting put in place there, like eviction moratoriums and things like that. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And would you share any of your best and worst apartment experiences so far? Yeah. So the best experiences so far is definitely being part of high level and high performing mastermind teams has been one of the best experience and a huge, uh, you know, breath of fresh air and motivator and, and just raises my energy to where I can get up every day and be super excited to just crush it every day. And perfect example of that is, you know, I was negotiating this deal and I was having some trouble. Again, we closed the 48 unit in the middle of COVID. So this last April 15th, we actually closed and it was like March, you know, the end of March when, you know, the whole world was shutting down. We were in contract. We're supposed to be closing. You know, the deal was falling, you know, falling apart, brought it up to my mentor and, and, and my mastermind. And he was like, oh, well, we have a, you know, a call with Chris Voss next week. So let's get on that call. 
And it was like a one hour coaching session with Chris Voss. If you don't know who that is, he, he wrote the book, Never Split the Difference. Uh, very famous FBI hostage negotiator. If you haven't read the book, absolutely get it. It's a must have for anybody that uh, negotiates in their life. But yeah, he was, it was like a one-on-one, uh, not one-on-one, but it was a, it was a one hour private training session with Chris Voss. And when we get on the call, uh, my mentor was like, hey, Vince is dealing with uh, this issue. You know, he, here's a quick background on what's going on. And this is where he's stuck. And he's like, Chris, got any, got any feedback for him? And it was like a 20 minute break down of how Chris helped me, you know, build a game plan to negotiate, go back and negotiate this deal to get it across the finish line to where, you know, I look out for my investors, number one, and met their needs and as well, kept the deal alive and got the deal closed for the seller as well. And the the net impact of that was 90 grand seller credit at closing, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're only dealing with a 48 unit, it, it was actually a, a pretty good amount. It was uh, essentially a little over $2,000 off per door, you know, in the 11th hour of like well, well beyond our contingency period, well beyond and everything. So, and we're still able to get that that across the line, which made the deal phenomenal for for our investors. So that has probably been the bet my best experience in the last year. Then, in general, just being around high performing people, um, you know, people with you know abundance mindsets versus scarcity mindsets, and just feeding off everybody's energy um, and ideas, and this is constant mastermind and think tank that that comes along with the multifamily community. I absolutely love it. Awesome. So any worst experience? Oh, I have a bunch of those. <laughs> um, worst experience would be the words, picking up the phone and hearing slip and fall. If that doesn't drive a anvil to your stomach, I don't know what else will. But that was, you know, one of my worst experiences was hearing that, you know, dead of winter and my property manager calling me and telling me that we had a resident that, that fell and she ended up getting staples in her head and all this stuff. And that, you know, the first two or three hours of that, trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate this and also make sure that the, the resident is okay and getting the care she needs was pretty nerve wracking and everything turned out fine for everybody. So no issue there, but that was pretty nerve wracking. And then a couple other ones would be staying in the sub four unit or sub five unit realm too long, the residential realm, you know, those duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes where I started. I think if you need to start somewhere, that is a good place to start, but go in it with the mindset of like, almost like this is my, like my training wheels property or like my sandbox property where I'm going to kind of learn the tricks in the trade and build the systems and build the process processes and kind of figure out, you know, the the skills to run multifamily and then quickly scale out of that as fast as possible because there's not a whole lot of growth in those duplexes and fourplexes. They're almost like quicksand, like you just get stuck in them and they, they're not going to appreciate in value. And yeah, they might kick out some cash flow. But to me, my road to wealth and to reach my freedom, my fire through those was like decades away versus larger multifamily was, you know, a handful of years away because at the velocity that you can scale in multifamily. So staying in um you know, those, those four units and less uh, for too long has been a pretty bad experience. But again, I had my eyes opened and I scaled out of that quickly, partnered up and got out of that. Yeah, and that, that was it. I got a couple more, but I don't know how long you want me to talk about that. Yeah, that's fine, I think. Yeah. So what is your current focus on share something you're excited about now? Excited about now is Q3 and Q4 of this year. You know, we, we're, we're seeing some of those predictions people had back in um, you know March, April, May, June about that Q3, Q4 is going to bring a lot of deals um, and even Q1 of next year. And we're just starting to see a little bit of that now of people that are you know starting to put their deals out there. And uh, we're pretty excited about that to get some, some good discounts on some properties. Um, so so Q3, Q4 is going to be really good. And I think it's going to continue through next year as well. 
Cool. So on, on one advice that impacted you, Vincent? Uh, one advice, partner as soon as possible. If you're still in the mindset that you have to have full control and you're, you have to do everything by yourself, it's going to limit your growth so much. The sooner you can partner with people that have the same values and ethics and morals and goals and timelines that you do, and start scaling together. It's a a force multiplier and you're going to have explosive and exponential growth in your portfolio and your wealth by partnering with other people. So if you're still trying to do this by yourself, just don't. (laughs) You got to partner up. This is definitely a team sport. Yeah. So any of your personal habits that help to be successful? personal habit, really like uh, writing down my goals every day and reaffirming why I, why I get up, why I do this. It's been really good. You have a lot of stressful days where you're like, what, you know, why am I doing this? It'd be so much easier just to punch a clock and not have any you know responsibility other than just going to work and building my widgets and going home but then you look back at your goals and why you're doing this so i'm big into that so scribing goals and and having uh, things like vision boards to constantly be reaffirming and getting those bursts of energy from those is probably been the biggest thing that kept me focused during the the tough times cool yeah so any books that impacted your life and what way uh, books tons of them yeah the uh let me see most recently really like the well i already said the never split the difference that book has probably made me the most money i'm just from being able to negotiate better let me see i'm looking at my shelf here we have the the honeybee and the wheelbarrow profits those were good to get started get get you in the right mindset of building multiple streams of income and think thinking of ways to to go vertical on in your operations and looking for efficiencies those are great books and then of course the the thinking grow rich. I love that book as well. That was one of the books that definitely got me started to take control of my uh, financial and, and life in general. So Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. They're great books. So how are you giving back to community? So giving back to the community. So we do a couple things. We do the inside of our, our communities. We hold uh, a few things like, you know, raffles and gift cards and things like that. We try to do like a uh, resident uh, appreciation days. We, we kind of got stalled out this year because of COVID and we couldn't, but we have uh, what we will continue next year is resident appreciation days where we get, you know, maybe food truck on the lot, have catered food trucks where all the residents can, can come get some food hang out and have some raffles for uh, things like TVs and things like that. So a lot of those resident appreciation type things. And then outside personally, I love giving to uh, charities, specifically uh, St. Jude's, the St. Jude's Foundation, Ronald McDonald Foundation, and then the uh, the Gary Sinise Foundation are the, the biggest ones I contribute to. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you, Vincent? Yep. So I'm on all the uh, all the socials. I'm on LinkedIn. That's a easy one. So probably the only Vincent Gethings on there. So LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook. Our website is uh, tricityequity.com. You can go there, check us out there and connect at tricityequity.com. Thank you, Vincent. I really enjoyed the conversation. Me as well. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.